everyone welcome to the stem speak podcast with me sahana this is stem 101 where science is fun and accessible how many times in the past 1 hour have you picked up the phone to check your time your social media feed text someone or set a reminder all of these involved you tapping a phone screen a few times we can now track our physical activity on a fitbit or an apple watch Children today can learn to play the piano on a computer or a tablet. All of these are possible because we can interact with various computers using apparently simple screens. This has been made possible because of the development of a research area called human computer interaction. When the computer was first invented, all inputs were mostly through a keyboard in binary code. Today there are multitude of options for how we can talk to a computer. Let's explore some of the latest developments in HCI design with our guest today, Dr. Da Yuan Huang, who's an assistant professor in the Institute of Applied Arts and adjunct assistant professor at the Electrical and Computer Engineering at National Zhuangtong University. He works on wearable user interfaces, on-body interfaces and interactive multimedia systems. He was kind enough to share some of his latest projects, his opinions on the intersection of AI, artificial intelligence, and HCI, human-computer interaction, the future of wearable tech, and more. So listen on. Dr. Huang, welcome to the podcast. And can we please begin with a brief um, background of your research and your interests? So my research field is about human-computer interaction. So it's all about... Uh, the interaction between human and computers. Oh. So, as you can see from this turn, you can feel that many research topic can be related to our field, which is true actually. Because uh, if you look at the backgrounds of the researchers in our field, uh, we uh, we include like uh, psychologists, oh. or like biologists, like you, or uh, computer scientists, or um, designers, or something. So. Uh, As long as your research topic is about the communication between human and computer, mm. uh, this is our research field. Okay. But uh, my, I am actually a um, technical-oriented HCI researcher. Mm. So as you can see, uh, technical-oriented HCI researcher uh, focuses um, like um, like designing and implementing new things. Mm. So uh, we have a simple and clear threshold. So this is an old one, and mm. this is a new one. Mm. So as long as you can tell everybody that, hey, this thing has never been done before, mm. then it's a research topic, no matter how simple it is. Right. So uh, why is that? Because uh, because we believe that um, if Whether this topic is interesting, is important, is impactful, mm. those opinions are actually subjective opinions. So, what is the most objective opinions mm. is about like this is new and this is old. Right. Yeah. So, um, and my research fields focus on like wearable devices and uh, haptic feedback for the context of. Uh, virtual reality mm. and uh, Internet of Things mm. applications, something like that. Right. Yeah. And when we talk about multimedia, human-computer interaction, I think in the last decade it has kind of exploded, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, maybe twenty years ago, this was restricted to uh, software engineers or um, 
people who worked in the field mm-hmm. or maybe physicists who kind of then uh, collaborated on some computer kind of things mm-hmm. but now hci is everybody like mm-hmm. yeah, we have a smart watch we have everything right mm-hmm. so what kind of propelled this exponential growth of multimedia into daily lives according to you so based on my personal observation i would say it is about the democratization mm. of the hardware and software techniques so right. if you look at look back uh, the like conventional computers like 30 or 40 years ago mm. the, the their skills are huge right. right so if you want to operate a computer you must be a scientist mm. otherwise mm. Uh, there's no way you can like access the, this kind of technology right. but uh, now we have like uh, Arduino uh, which is an open source hardware microprocessor allows you to connect different kind of sensors and run the code on it and you mm. can like uh, uh, build a simple hardware device in just like less than 10 minutes mm. or we now have uh, other like Raspberry Pi which is also a hardware device similar without like uh, to Arduino but uh, more powerful or something but uh, they are very very small and they are very very cheap mm. so so uh, if you um, go to the bookstore in our university which is National Jiao Tong University you can actually buy an Arduino without an effort okay yeah they are, they are so they are like so popular mm. and uh, every student now have the power mm. to create their own devices so what I, I so i think this is because um this kind of power has been released mm. to uh different uh, research communities mm. so everybody can um define their own computers so so if you look at um uh, today's computers they mm. are actually now in different form factors your smartphone is a computer your smartwatch is a computer yes. yeah right now your like uh, apple airpod mm. is actually a computer mm. because it contains a full functionality about input and output yes. right so uh, so i believe that maybe in the future the defini- the definition of computer mm. will keep keep changing and uh, so this is why um, now uh, You, you will see more and more different kind of computers mm. different form factor and different skills right and when we talk about human computer interaction in the same kind of historical way earlier it was all through like a keyboard and converting it into code and then seeing the output right mm-hmm. but now we have different ways to engage we have the haptic system and we have voice inputs and all of that so if we talk about an interface the human computer interface mm-hmm. are there any um common parameters that each system should have like are there any similarities between a keyboard and a screen which we use to interact with the computer yeah so uh, if you look back our history mm. uh, back to like world war 2 mm. uh how to design an airplane is a mm. uh, actually a very human computer interaction stuff okay. because uh, there is a very important factor in the human computer research which is uh, ergonomics human mm. human and and the and a human form factor or something mm. so uh, to like design a very uh, intuitive and easy to use system uh, we must study the limitation of humans mobility mm. sensitivity mm. or like uh, awareness cognitive load or something mm. so 
uh, in the past like 20 or 30 years, uh, human computer, th th this field is actually dominated by psychologists. Right. Yeah, because they know how to uh, design a psychological study and uh, or some user study and uh, exam examine the limits of mm. the users. For example, uh, Google uh, introduced a project called Project Sully, mm. which uh, utilize uh, uh, so they introduce a device emitting uh, radar signals okay. to the to to your fingers, okay. and uh, so when you like uh, try to perform different kind of thumb to finger gestures, mm. uh, the radar will be reflected to the device. Mm. So by analyzing the reflected signal, you can actually like uh, recognize the position mm. and the and the movements of your thumbs mm. on your fingers, mm. which is pretty cool, right? But uh, uh, after they like introduced this kind of d device, mm. um, researchers like us want to know, so now you can like uh, install um, buttons or sliders, like you can install buttons or mm. sliders on mm. your finger, mm. but uh, how many buttons you can install mm. so that the the users can type uh, each button correctly without an effort. Right. Yeah. Or uh, like uh, in a ice free scenario, mm. if the user now cannot look at their fingers, mm. can they like locate their thumbs on the on the index finger correctly? Mm. How correct it is. So this kind of like uh, ergonomic study and mm. user study uh, is a key. Uh, research process mm. in our field, yeah. So not only just technology or mm. the, the the effort of implementation. Mm. User study is also a key point. So yeah. if you uh, if you read the definition <coughs> of human computer interaction mm. uh, provided by the ACM, mm. uh, it is about design, implement, and evaluate the device. Okay. So without any process. Mm. Uh, your HCI research is not that complete. Okay. Yeah. So so we we must carefully examine the design, the the human limitation, mm. and the the, the like um, the the communication or interaction between mm. the human and device, something like that. Yes. Right. So, um. <coughs> Like we said, um, we had the keyboard where you had to type, and mm. now we have the haptic devices. So, what are the other novel uh, interactions or techniques in human-computer interaction that will probably take the field further? Or just a general idea of what are the commonly used human-computer inter interfaces right now? Yeah, I have a note actually. So okay. it's like. Um the third question, mm -hmm. what are the novel interaction techniques mm -hmm. and devices to facilitate human-computer interaction? Right. It's actually all about the input and output techniques. Okay. For example, when you like uh, when you mentioned input device, mm. you may see like a uh, sound or um, mm. a button or mm -hmm. a, um, a slider or something like that. Yeah. But uh, right now we are trying to use different kind of um, sensor signals okay. to recognize the human activity. For okay. example, um, I uh, prepared some uh, examples for you. Mm -hmm. So, 
So this is one of my uh, project called DigiSpace. Okay. Uh, it is inspired by uh, Google Solid project, which is the project I just mentioned mm -hmm. to you. So, um, so in this paper, I implemented a magnetic sensing device okay. that can be worn on the finger and uh, sense the changes of the magnetic field around the finger, the index and the middle finger. Okay. So when you like try to, when you like try install a strong magnet on your thumb, mm. and uh, where on the magnetic sensing device on the index and the middle finger, yeah, you can now like uh, engage in thumb to finger interactions. Okay. Yeah. So novel sensing techniques allows us to um, to change the way we drop commands to the computers. Right. Yeah, so for example, there's another example um, I can show you. Uh, you can go to the website, uh, Professor Chris Harrison. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a professor at CMU. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a, he, uh, he published a very famous paper called um, Viben. Okay. So, it uh, unlocked the sample the sampling rate of the accelerometer in an ordinary smartwatch. Okay. Just by doing so, uh, uh, by utilizing the deep learning or machine learning technology, mm. uh, now we can recognize tons of human activities. Okay. Just by analyzing the accelerometer signals. Okay. Yeah. So it's like uh, now you can. Uh, recognize the rotation mm. of your wrist or uh, the thumb to finger interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you are using a toothbrush or something. Right. Yeah. So, um, so the more powerful the input technology mm. we have, the uh, we uh, the more intuitive communication mm. method. Can be can can be introduced to the users. Right. Yeah. So, so this is about the inputs. Mm. So, for the outputs, uh, right now we talk about the outputs. We um, usually think of like vibrations or something, mm. but uh, there are actually many sen sensors in our skin, right? Mm. So we can sense the pressure, the shear forces, the normal forces, mm. or. Uh, um, or the temperature, mm. yeah. So, um, which means that uh, the own uh, we we can actually communicate with a computer without any visual feedback. Yes. So, for example, if you are blind and uh, you you try to receive some text messages mm. from your parents, mm. maybe in the future, uh, not only just vibration, you can actually uh, write. Uh, your smartwatch can literally, literally uh, write a character mm. on your wrist. Mm. So I can show you an example, which is um, skin jack. Maybe you have to edit the audio 
That's okay, not a problem. <laughs> Wait a second. So this is uh, Skin Track Display published by Professor um, Patrick Polish. So they like uh, implemented a smartwatch that can literally write something on your wrist. So if uh, in the future you in the future uh, your smartwatch can write and egg the character A on mm. your wrist. Mm. So even if you are blind, you can recognize the the patterns. Okay. Yeah, and uh, maybe maybe like uh, use thumb to finger mm. input mm. to communicate these kind of computers right. without the needs of any visual feedback. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So uh, by keep inventing or exploring new kinds of input and output technologies, uh, we can continue to improve the communication between human and computers. That's right. my personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now I'll probably ask you a question which you'd probably say is the problem of the psychologist. Mm -hmm. But with all this increasing human-computer interaction, we see that most of our interactions, um, whether it's shopping or um, entertainment or education, everything happens now with a computer mm -hmm. and especially for children. Mm -hmm. They don't, um, I have a niece who doesn't usually play with physical toys, but she'd rather, mm -hmm. you know, use the iPad to do the same things. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you see that there would be any, uh, side effects of that kind of dependency on uh, interaction with the computer, mm -hmm. especially in children or young adults, like when the response is so fast and when you're constantly stimulated, mm -hmm. um, is is it something that, as designers, you keep in mind when you're designing something that how addictive can this be or how can you um, make it more friendly to the brain? Yeah. So. Um, there is a term called ubiquitous computing. Mm. Uh, it assumes that in the near future, every object can be a computer. Right. So let's think about this. Uh, everything is a computer, and every computer wants to communicate with you. Mm. So you will receive tons of messages from the computer surrounding around you. Yeah. Um, that will quickly consume your cognitive load. Mm. And uh, in the worst case, uh, you cannot focus on a certain uh, task at all. Yeah. So how to like uh, how to make some computers become ambient mm. and some computers become um, like uh, in a in the spotlight under the spotlight mm. uh, is uh, is a very important research topic. Mm. So, for example, there is a there is a research direction called uh, ambient display. Mm. So, the definition of ambient display is that uh, is like uh, uh, it will provide you some messages mm. only if you look at it. Mm. So, for example, I have a artificial flower, mm. and uh, the label of blossom, mm. flower blossom, um, like uh, related to how, like um, how many emails I have to read today. 
Okay. So, for so if uh, the flower is uh, full blooded, uh -huh. uh, you might have like uh, zero emails. Right. But if the flower is uh, nearly dead, right. may maybe you have like a hundred emails to read. Right. So, if you don't look at the flower, mm. it's only a artificial artwork. Mm. But uh, when you look at this flower, it tells you something. Right. Th this is a typical example of uh, ambient display. Mm. So uh, there's another um, another um, solution called like um, gaze interaction. Mm. So maybe in the future, every computer knows where you are looking at. Okay. So only the computer you are looking at communicates with you. Right. Or or um, in the future, because every computer has a sensor, mm. so those sensors can be integrated as a sensing network mm. so that th these environments will totally understand what you want to do and what you are doing. Right. And uh, this environment only gives you a certain level of uh, messages you can handle. Right. Yeah, so this is the future, one of the possible futures. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So when we, when I see the Black Mirror episode, I feel, yeah. This is possible. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> 50 years ago, if, if somebody from our father's generation saw it, they would only see it as sci-fi. Uh -huh. And we would see it and say, oh, this is possible. This is a new future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, another aspect of your work is virtual reality, uh -huh. right? So what are the components that you look at when you design some like a probe or a uh, program for virtual reality? Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I can off the top of my head think like it can be used for exploring something dangerous and you don't want human mm -hmm. interaction mm -hmm. or you can use it for um, teaching or something where you can't reach and you can have um, more access. Mm -hmm. So what are your um, goals for virtual reality? So, uh, one of my aim for virtual reality research is to provide realistic haptic feedback. Okay. So, right now, if you grab a VR controller and you try to like grab something mm. or you try to slide your finger on the virtual surface, mm. you cannot sense anything. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, so what if when you like uh, slide your finger on the on the surface mm. on the virtual surface you can sense different textures right so that maybe in the future you don't need to go to ikea anymore you just uh, wear on your computer and you can sense the textures of different furnitures right. something like that or if you try to grab something you mm. can actually feel its size and weight mm. so this is possible for example this is one of my research projects called uh, rolling stone so Rolling Stone is actually uh, a very simple mechanical device uh, where when you there is a bow uh, keeps rotating under your fingertip. Okay. So if you like uh, move your hand rightward, mm. there the bow will will taste to the opposite direction, okay. so that it creates a sliding sensation. Mm. And by programming the relative slip speeds between. Uh, your finger and the bow, you can actually render different types of virtual textures. For example, when my hand uh, goes to rise at the speed about uh, 10 millimeters per second, mm. but the bow rotates into the opposite direction at the speed about 
like five millimeter per second, mm. I will feel the virtual surface is kind of sticky because I use the same energy mm. to move my hand, but uh, the the frictional force uh, is less than I expected. Right. So you can easily twist the the sensation of the users and create totally different haptic experiences. Right. And there's another example uh, research project of mine called Pop Pop Up. Mm -hmm. So Pop Up uh, try to resolve a problem where you try to grab something in the virtual reality, but there's nothing you can grab. Mm. So we like uh, implemented a pneumatic system okay. that can pop up, pop up something uh, similar to the shape of the virtual object. So when you try to grab a bow, there's a bow. When you try to grab a cube, there's a cube. Okay. And you can like uh, do some input and out input, and you throw the ball away, the air back inside your palm will be inflated, will oh, be deflated. Okay. Yeah, and you try to grab a pen, there is a cube-shaped um, pop-up will be inflated or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. That looks like a Quidditch match. Yeah, exactly. Is it? Yeah, oh. it's a Quidditch implication. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, um, so haptic experience uh, is uh, truly important. Because right now, as you can see, we can integrate many sensors in the hand-mount display. Mm -hmm. We can check the gaze of the user. Mm -hmm. We can provide users with really realistic uh, visual feedback. But the haptic part is still unacceptable for right. general use. So I think it will be a very, very um, important research direction right. now and future. Wow. Yeah. That's... <coughs> That's mind blowing. That's really interesting. <laughs> so the single uh, the uh, pop pop up, mm -hmm. and when you have that thing that makes the shape, mm -hmm. that's like real time simulation of something, right? Uh, no, you have to wait. So we okay. so there is a uh, there is a common understanding in our field. We uh, exam we examine the the limitation of users, mm -hmm. and we. Uh, evaluates our system mm. but uh, it's a prototype right so you need time to like uh, to push it forward right yeah wow right okay so let's talk about sensors I think we covered a little bit but when you talk about wearable technology mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you're trying to improve the sensing mm -hmm. um, so what are the sensors that are available today? Like you mentioned temperature or maybe heartbeat, mm -hmm. or if we have biosensors, we have like ion um, measurements and all of those. So what are the future sensors that will be necessary for wearable technology? So two important research direction regarding the question. The first is uh, the new uh, machine learning technology. Mm. So like, uh, like five or ten years ago when I was a PhD student, if you are an HCI researcher, you must know how to use SVN. What is SVN? It's a support vector machine, which now is a very basic uh, machine learning toolbox hmm. you, you can use. So you just, uh, you, you can just uh, like uh, implement a sensor array and uh, you will receive some kind of image from the sensor array, mm. and you train the images in your uh, through through the machine learning techniques. Mm. And you can recognize something or, or what, but now the deep learning technology is 
uh, kills everything. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, so for example, five to ten years ago, if you invent a sensor, and your the recognition rate is about eighty-five or ninety, people will say, "Wow, mm. it's it's a precise. It's it's really precise." But uh, with the help of deep learning technology, now you have to go to like 95, 98 or something, mm. uh, which is good actually, because uh, it means that uh, uh, as long as you can, uh, you can integrate the, the appropriate sensors into your hardware device mm. with the help of, of from the deep learning technology, mm. you will get some satisfactory results or something. Mm. So uh, I believe that uh, the research direction about HCI plus AI mm. will be a very important research direction yeah. in the future. And another research direction is uh, Paulus. So okay. can you like uh, develop a sensor that can sense something without consuming any battery power? Mm. It is actually possible. For example, uh, Professor Xin Dong Yang at uh, Dartmouth College. Mm. Um, he recently published a paper. Uh, he and another professor uh, <coughs> found that if you like, uh, if there's a photodiode mm. and you move your finger across to the diode, mm. uh, the movement can actually generate some currents. Right. To the diode. Okay. So, if you like uh, implement a photodiode array, and you just move your hands above the array, you the, electricity. Yeah, and uh, by learning the signals of the electricity, you can actually build a wearable device oh. without consuming any power. Right. Right. So, so this is amazing, and. Uh, there, um, so so another project uh, of theirs uh, is about like uh, eye tracking, about battery-less eye tracking machine. Okay. So because when you like move your eyeball, the movement can actual can also create electricity right. to the photodiode sensor. So okay. you can check even check the gaze without consuming any battery power, which is crazy, right? right. Yeah, so, so two important directions, uh, HCI plus AI and mm -hmm. um, battery-less sensing technology. Right. Yeah, that's my personal opinion as well. Right, and, and so these are all technologies that are being developed, right? So uh -huh. when we talk about their impl implementation, mm -hmm. so now we have seen that smartwatches, uh, I mean, smartwatch I think was developed as a tool for um, diagnostic or monitoring purposes, right, mm -hmm. for um, unhealthy people or when you have to monitor their heart rate and all mm -hmm. of that. And now it has become very mainstream and it's available for mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of these upcoming technologies, what do you think are the implementation in um, healthcare or society at large? So, the society at large. Um, you mean what kind of sensing technology can help people? Or? Yeah, what do you think is the future of wearable technology? Like, what, like, 
in the beginning it was just as a fitness tracker or something right but mm-hmm. now it has evolved to so much more than that mm-hmm. now we are talking about wearable gadgets which are like uh, clothes or something that can connect to your computer mm-hmm. or um with so many smart applications mm-hmm. so in the same way what do you think is like the future of wearable gadgets mm-hmm. and how can it help with healthcare or with even lifestyle like you said you don't have to go to ikea you can just mm-hmm. uh, shop at home mm-hmm. so in some more examples like those they may or may not happen but the possibility the possibility um i believe it's about uh, ubiquitous sensing environments mm. and um and also hci plus ai mm. for example um there is a very interesting direction of uh, industrial 4.0 uh it's the next generation uh, manufacturing technology mm. for example if now you are a worker mm. but you are a novice worker mm. and uh your boss asks you to hey uh please design a, a electronic circuit mm. for us uh by noon mm. but uh you are a novice user how can you do that maybe in the future there is a auto complete feature for the circuit design so you just for for example if you don't have any um background knowledge about the circuit design mm. you may just uh, plug the an LED mm. to the breadboard and uh, wire the the LED with battery mm. and your LED will burn out because you should uh, place a resistor mm. besides the LED so mm. that you can protect the whole current or something mm. but uh, maybe in the future when you uh, plug an LED to the breadboard and you forgot to uh, add the resistor mm. uh, there's a the computer will tell you hey maybe you should uh, you should place a resistor mm. on, on it or maybe the computer will auto completely place the resistor for you okay. so in the future i believe that every computer will not only know your goal but on, but also know your knows your intention so what you're trying to do they'll figure it out mm. so that uh, you just You, you just do whatever you want but uh our the, the environments will somehow make it correct yeah, make it correct right yeah so that's my future but uh, w- uh why is that because i have a <laughs> i have a project called uh, autofits mm-hmm. so autofits is a auto complete feature for virtual circuit design so it's like uh It's like right now you if you want to design if you want, want to design a circuit on the virtual breadboard you mm. need to manually wire all of the sensors to the microprocessor huh. but uh, I uh, implemented a interface okay. that completes everything for you you just need to drag and drop the electronic components to the virtual breadboard right and uh, <clears throat> the interface will take take care of the rest Okay. Yeah. So not only uh, the com- the interface uh, knows your goal, but mm. they also knows your intention. I right. believe that's a very important thing. So it's like basically everybody has an assistant mm-hmm. and a much more knowledgeable and competent assistant. Exactly. And right. it's like a um very powerful Siri, I believe. I yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow, that's I don't know. It just seems too 
dark to me. I too mean, dark? Like if some, for me, I'm constantly thinking like, what if the machines take over? What is <laughs> going to be like that? Because now we have machines which can learn much faster, which uh-huh. can learn languages, uh-huh. which can detect diseases better uh-huh. than men. And I don't know. Uh, it's getting better and better, right? Uh-huh. So... I don't know, it just feels like... It's, very... it's very interesting. If you look at the definition between uh, human-computer interaction mm. and artificial intelligence, they are actually contradictory to each other. Okay. Because uh, the human-computer interaction uh, augments the mm. original capability of human. Right. So I'm very powerful because I have a keyboard, I have a mouse, mm. right? But uh, artificial intelligence enhance the capability of computers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, when the artificial in- intelligence goes up, the, compu- uh, the f- research field of computer, human-computer interaction goes down. Right. And so on and so forth. But uh, right now, we are trying to mix them all, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to increase the capability of human. We also want to increase the capability of computers. And we try to mix them together mm. so maybe we are like a n- new generation superhuman or something right. yeah so um so i think uh, so so the concept of um about hci plus ai is not a new thing like mm. a t- 10 or one or two decades ago there are many scientists uh, want to do that mm. but uh, the timing was okay. not right. right, but now is the time. Mm. So I I look forward to uh, future researches about these fields. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now I just asked you uh, some questions that were not on the list. Sure. You you may choose to answer or not. It's sure, very sure. Um, naive because now that you mentioned that if you have human co- computer interaction at the highest level and mm. then you have smart machines, mm-hmm. that will probably change everything. Right. Like our cognitive capabilities mm-hmm. and the way we approach education. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe those need to be relooked as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, when we were children, we, we had to learn the periodic table. Mm-hmm. Now you don't need to because you have computer to yeah. pull it out. Yeah. And, and that difference is much more drastic. Like if you compare 50 years to now, their method of education was completely different. And mm-hmm. what students now study is completely different. Mm-hmm. So that would call for a change in all of those aspects of um, uh, human behavior as well, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think maybe there should be some changes in... Uh, education and in um, improving our cognition like right now we don't need to learn a lot of skills because we have computers to do them Mm -hmm. so maybe we need to shift our focus on different skills so Mm -hmm. when it comes to professional courses Mm -hmm. maybe we should shift our um, uh, focus to things that will augment this Mm -hmm. development Mm -hmm. rather than have courses which are obsolete 10 Mm -hmm. years ago Mm -hmm. well it's a big question so I always have a feeling that uh, um, when I was a college student, I don't have, I didn't have YouTube, I mm. didn't have like Wikipedia or something. But right now, kids have YouTube, yeah, and they can they can learn how to do the math uh, with multimedia, uh, with with uh, and in in a very detailed explanation by a like a, a famous professors, right. right? 
So there, there's something we, we didn't have. So sometimes we worry about, hey, uh, um, now our children can connect with everything. Will they, is it a good thing or something? Mm. But uh, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about that at all because I believe um, our next generation will, must be stronger than us. Right. So um, we don't need to restrict anything. Mm. We just um, we just provide the tools to to them and right. uh, tell them these are only just tools. Mm. And uh, if you if you think that way, uh, I I I believe uh, we now have to change the, the culture of our education. Mm. We don't. We, we need to stop uh, test our students. Mm. We need to encourage the kids to like um, keep inventing something anything right so if you want to be a youtuber you just record your own video mm -hmm. if you want to be a like biologist maybe you need to go to the lab directly yeah. Yeah. Uh, no matter how old you are you um, we should provide them the environment yeah. and uh, i believe that will like um, unveil their their or their their capability right the, the potential their mm. potential so um i believe this is very important to our next generation's education right yeah and i think the ultimate human computer interaction would be if you can directly connect the brain mm -hmm. to the you mean brain computer interface yeah it's, it's I've heard it's that a lot of work is being done on that, right? Mm -hmm. So, what are your views on that? I heard just recently Elon Musk kind of did a, he, I think, put some money into a project that links the brain neural network directly to a computer. Or something. Exactly. I I think that's that's the future actually, mm. and uh, I'm not afraid of that future. So if you if you if you Think closely. Uh, we are already living. We are now. We are already living in the virtual world. Right. Right. So everything uh, can be augmented mm. with some digital information. Right? Mm. So it's a mixed reality mm. world we we live in. So a brain-computer interface uh, will like um, help us to jump through the. The limitation of right. our body, right. and directly to help us to like communicate with mm. the digital world or mm. access the resources from the digital world. Right. So, um, but there's one thing uh, we should think about is: um, can we democratize those capability mm. to everyone? Mm. If not, then we we have to worry about that. But it's a it's like a Political or cultural or or, or social mm. um, issues we need to carefully debate about, but uh, um, but uh, the interaction itself mm. I think is totally fine. Right. Yeah. But um, is it very different from the process that you would have for a human <coughs> computer interaction as mm -hmm. compared to a brain computer interaction? Yeah, because you. Uh, you don't need 
to perform any motor motor skills you yeah. learned in your daily life, right? Right. Yeah. So you you jump that part, just directly go to the um, digital world. Right. You know, that's the major difference. Yeah. Okay, so that was all the questions I had. Yeah, had so much fun. I learned so many things. Thank, thank you, you for your time. Yeah, thank you. That is a wrap on episode 15. Like I mentioned before, some of the projects that we discussed today feels like an episode right out of Black Mirror. Looks like the future is full of possibility when it comes to HCI design. This chat opened up multiple trains of thought for me about human computer interaction, its design, cognition, artificial intelligence and more. Dr. Huang is very optimistic about how HCI can enable and enrich our interactions in the virtual and digital space. Do check out Dr. Huang's webpage for videos and articles about his projects. They're very intriguing. We will link the website address in our show notes. Now coming back to STEM speak, if you think your lab's work should be featured on the podcast, you can nominate a speaker. It can be yourself or anybody else in your lab, a PhD student, a postdoc research assistant or even your PI. As long as you have an interesting science story, we have a platform. Let's build this community in Academia Sinica by sharing each other's stories. I promise I will do an episode on my PhD topic as soon as I have my manuscript. So you can reach out to us on our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We are STEM Speak Pod. You can also leave us a comment about what kind of content you'd like or what you liked about our podcast or didn't like. Um please help us grow this community by subscribing to STEM Speak on iTunes or Spotify. You can also uh take a look at our previous episodes on the same channel on iTunes or Spotify. So thank you for listening and see you soon.